Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, Orshi Herbine. We're going to talk about more than just email, right, Orshi? Yes, that's right. You have to recap what you just told me about the uh, about about the, your name. My name, yes, my name is the Hungarian version of Ursula. Ursula, right? Yes, and it's pronounced Orshaya, but for short, it's Orshi. I just like I like hearing you say the full name. It's it's very mellifluous. Uh, your company, Brand3.net. Would you call yourself an agency fundamentally? Yeah, we are a virtual branding and marketing agency. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, don't really have a headquarters. We have employees all over the country. So yeah, headquarter in uh, headquarter in cyberspace. Were you yes. doing the virtual thing be- before we all got pushed to be more virtual? I actually was. I was all ready. Uh, I think we closed our office space uh, in July 2019. Oh wow! Yeah, the pandemic true. rolled around. We were like, oh, yes, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, sidebar, let's not go into the commercial real estate business. I think I think the jury's out whether that's ever going to come back. Um, so we were chatting a little bit beforehand, and you were sharing some of your philosophy about this three-legged stool, which I asked to assume is part of brand three. Could you right. recap what you said a minute ago? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, future of email, I'm assuming email generally is uh, intriguing to a lot of your listeners because of the marketing uh, and the ability to keep in touch with customers and prospects. And, you know, that drip drip campaigning generally can give you an edge because not only it gives you brand awareness, but it also allows you to establish expertise in the field in whatever field you are on a regular, you know, very tailored and targeted uh, way, so email is a is is just a small fraction of of how we are approaching um, you know our process or uh, on helping business owners rethink marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time not long ago when brand three was brands that deliver, and it was much more difficult for me to create traction with our own customers because I realized that branding is not what my customers want. They really have a marketing problem. And I was a branding company and I really love building brands. So today we are still building brands at Brand3, but because we are Brand3, the right way to market, and our big headline is Rethink Marketing, we are essentially wrapping our services into what our customers want, right? But I'm not falling short of that promise because the right way to market is really to build a brand that has the power to engage a very particular audience that my customers want to work with. Mm -hmm. So we always have a process of, you know, um, helping um, create traction in marketing by not only looking at marketing itself and the tactics, uh, you know, such as email, but really looking at the brand, which is what's going to validate to somebody that this is the right place for them. This is the, this, uh, you know, this, this company has actually what it takes to bring them value, right? Brand in my mind is a perception. It happens in the mind of an audience and you first meet a brand through various marketing materials like email, for example, right? right? right. So that's how you get in touch with the brand. So if 
your marketing material is on point, but then I go to the website, then I go to your social media and I find inconsistency. I don't find the value. There's too much noise. You lost me, right? Even though your marketing material has created some sort of engagement, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to validate that with the brand that I met, you know, once I started digging a little bit. Um, so pause, pause for a second there. There's a couple of things to unpack. Um, one that I think is worth noting, uh, legit ethical email marketing wouldn't be first place I encounter your brand is an email because you didn't tell me I could email you. Mm -hmm. Email would be how we communicate once you've said yes, once you've said permission, opt in, yes, I want to hear from you, whether that's as a prospect, as a customer or something, something like that. It, uh, the majority use, if you will, is, is, uh, is in an established relationship, um, not in a, you've never heard of me from Adam, but leave that one aside. Um, there's a book called the Brand Promise, uh, author is Dwayne Knapp, actually happens to be a, a friend of mine, lives about half an hour from here. He's been at this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the lead line of his book, which is very much what you said, is a brand is a promise. Mm -hmm. What do you think? 100%. We actually, that's part of our process to build a brand promise for every brand that we build. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, we talked about brand and marketing, mm -hmm. the experience is what if essentially needs to be aligned with that promise, right? So we have to align the experience with that promise. We cannot uh, not meet it. We have to at least meet it or exceed that promise in order to get those five-star reviews, right? And to your point, I know that we're not going to get, um, you know, uh, emails without permission per se, but even if, you know, if there was a campaign strategy, of me meeting a brand on social media and clicking and finding a landing page. And then I signed up to mm -hmm. get emails, right? Mm -hmm. I might not have seen the entire website because maybe that campaign was presented properly, but then the website itself or some other materials, whether there's inconsistency in it. Uh, and again, a lot of customers that walk in our door, they don't even have that, you know what I mean? They don't even have consistency within the campaign, you know? They would have a really great ad that goes to the website that looks completely different. And I completely lost that awesome whatever. Or maybe the ad is not great and they're not even getting clicks. You know what I mean? So it it is really um, the, the, uh, the brand has the ability to engage an audience if it is perceived as value. Okay. Right. Okay. So brand is a perception. My job as a branding expert mm -hmm. to build brands that are perceived as value to not everybody and their mom, right. but to the ideal customer. And ideal could be just your best customer, you know, that you actually adore to work with mm -hmm. a hundred times. You know, if that's Becky. How do we find more Beckys, you know, and then really digging deeper and identifying everything we know about Becky and building a brand for the Beckys out there so they can walk in and really targeting them with the tactics, right? Any, any, uh, any companies or brands jump to mind to you that you think do this really well, whether or not they're your, your clients, like who does it, who's doing this well right now? Uh, I think a lot of brands are doing it well. 
this is actually what makes national brands so successful. That impeccable consistency of message and image, the 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 ability to bring value, you know, over features and benefits. You know, I mean, you look at the, some of the local brands and they say, 35 years on business, family owned. Nobody cares that I know what you're doing, right? right. But then if you say something to me that I value, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, the great example is Apple, for example, right? You know, when they came up with the iPod, the iPod, right? The, the times of CDs when we're like 12, 15 songs on a CD, then you had to switch to another CD or something or have those six car changers, et cetera. They come up with the iPod and they're not taunting features and benefits of how many gigabytes or RAM or space or 32 millimeter or whatever have you. They're saying a thousand po- uh, songs in your pocket. Right, right. That's right. what I want. Right. Sign me up, right? That's value right there. You know, like when I'm struggling with this or I have like this big binder in my car, digging through it while I'm driving, not cr- trying to crash. Mm-hmm. All happen, we've been there, right? So when they come with a thousand songs in your pocket, that's, that's makes sense, makes sense to me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> my, I've got this side bet about brand conversations and the number of times Apple ends up coming up. I, I I don't know whether or not they're actually one of a kind, the unicorn. Any other companies jump to mind? I'll challenge you there. <laughs> not Apple. <laughs> and I'm surrounded by Apple stuff, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. You see, I got stumped on this question before, and I actually said to myself that I will do some digging mm-hmm. and have some samples, but I uh, I didn't do it yet, so I am I am sure that there are a lot of lot of companies that are doing it well. Well, let's let's freeform freeform it for a second because I, I I do find myself wondering about the the conundrum of branding in this fast evolving and exhausting landscape of 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 being a consumer or being a business. When Google launched, the branding was crap, but the product was fantastic. And nobody cared about the branding because the product was so good. And that became their brand. But it wasn't like they had, it wasn't like they had someone with your level of expertise helping, helping craft the brand. It's like they delivered a yes. killer search engine on an empty page. But, but hear me out. Tons and tons of businesses right now are surviving only because they have a great product and service, right? Mm-hmm. But they're wasting either they are not marketing and they're just relying on referrals or if they are marketing, and this is where if they are marketing. Yeah. If a company who has a great product and service Mm -hmm. but has a crappy brand that does not reflect the greatness of their product and services throws money at marketing, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you that they're wasting 80% of their marketing budget. Gotcha, gotcha. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to fix. So if you can essentially build brands mm-hmm. that reflect the greatness of your product of serv- and services to an ideal customer base and then throw money at marketing mm-hmm. that reaches that ideal customer base with tailored messaging that presents as value to them, and then you're getting traction. So if you're going to spend money on marketing, mm-hmm. you better make sure that you can be validated as value. Wants those customers pay attention to right. 
the actual so, experience, the like what what they get when they when they sign up for you. My favorite client and any prospect right now would walk in here with five star reviews, but looking like a dinosaur. I love those clients. Those are the best clients because we are re- literally they're so much easier than somebody who's maybe looking great but has bad reviews. Hmm. I I don't kind of want that client. I mean, you know, it's a challenge, but you know, to me, it's much easier to create that transformation and build their values into a brand that reflects it, mm-hmm. you know, then, then fix the problems. Usually customer reviews that are bad is because they're not listening. They have like some employee return, high turnovers. Something is broken internally that I can't touch, mm-hmm. you know, as a, branding and marketing experts, so I can't really go there. But if it's five-star reviews and looking like a dinosaur, I love it. Yeah. Dig dig into that a little bit, the looking like a dinosaur comment or qualifier sort of. Well, it's a lot of noise, right? A lot of noise. So you go to a website, and if you can't tell within three seconds what they do, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, like you could look great, but sometimes there's there's various ways that you can go sideways. Maybe it looks great. So first of all, I'm getting good feelings because it's professional, organized, clean, right? But I read a really clever headline that someone thought of in a in a marketing department or whatever, and I don't I don't even know what I'm looking at, you know, like or the name of the company. Like uh, uh, there's some great examples. Um, uh, I can't remember what this acronym used to stand for, but uh, some sort of a consulting corp or something like I, ICSC, uh, some some sort of a service consulting corp. Yeah. And it turns out that they are actually an IT company. But, you know, I didn't get that until I talked to the business owner. I'm like, what does it actually you do, right? I, you know, you didn't know what kind of, is it medical consulting? Is it legal consulting? Is it whatever? Because it's so vague, right? So let's say your name is something interesting like Nike, <laughs> okay? And I don't Apple, recommend yeah. I don't recommend that a startup or a small business has such interesting name because sometimes it's actually better to have the name something to do with what it is, right? So it immediately allows somebody to put your put your business in certain categories of their name. So, but if you have an interesting name, like a last name or a Nike or whatever. The best thing you can do is add a descriptor to your identity. You know, fa- uh, you know, um, athletic goods, Nike athletic goods, you know, right? Right away, I'm thinking sports, you know, like if I don't need that, I can go away. If I need that, I can read on, right? So even just with the identity, we can tweak and communicate as much as possible. So... My job is actually I'm in a in a business of minimalism of like how I take vast amount of information and big concepts and translate it into very very small items because one thing nobody's gonna give you is time. They're not gonna read paragraphs. They're not gonna read through <laughs> a lot of stuff. So if I can't tell in two to six seconds what you do, then the phone rang. The doctor. But yeah, yeah. it's cried and you lost me. Yeah. That's yeah. All, I, all I gave you, right? That that uh I I I I agree with what you're saying. And at the same time, 
it irks me <laughs> because uh, companies that bring out new, not not fitting in an existing category innovations have a hell of a struggle on their hands because not everything fits in three to six seconds. Um, I think that's what I love about it. And sometimes for small business, mm -hmm. literal is your friend, you know, and my job is to be literal and creative at the same time. But I want to make sure that creativity does not hinder from easily understanding what it is, right? Yep. So, you know, if you had Nike, you know, athletic goods right there, huh. and then maybe you're serving an elite market, but I still don't see that from that identity. But right there, maybe like on the, on the headline, I could say something that relates to luxury, you know, hmm. uh, you know, um, um, uh, luxurious exercise products or something like that. I don't know. I'm just making yeah, stuff sure. up, you know, you know, or, or bring luxury into your exercise. And Nike doesn't do that. I'm just making an example, right? Sure. You know, how could you? So what what we do inside Brand3 is we uh, we have this, this twofold job, right? So we have this very in-depth discovery with the business owner because we need to find out their goals, right? What is broken? What is the pain point? Now, if I meet a person who is a solopreneur, I'll ask the question like, hey, do you want to be a solopreneur for the next 20 years? And then you knowing that when you stop working, you're done working. Or do you want to grow an enterprise uh, where other people are doing it the way you do? Mm -hmm. And depending on the answer mm -hmm. is our job. Because if they say, I just want to be a solopreneur, then I can use something unique like their name. Mm -hmm. Uh, and stuff like that into the brand. I can weave their personality into the brand and it becomes almost a personal brand, right? Versus if they want to go and become a business and train employees to do it like they would, so they can eventually phase out or sell a business. Mm -hmm. My job will be to build in their own values into a brand that can stand alone. And I would highly advise they don't use their last name right. or, or, you know, something like that. Because the last thing you want for a business that you're going to get ready to sell five, 10 years from now is to everybody point back to Steve, how Steve great is great. Because if Steve sells the business, there's no more Steve and there's no value to the business, right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a way to increase your, the, that sale value by building your, your own values into the brand and teaching, recruiting a team to carry that out, right? Yep. So and then and deliver an experience that you would deliver. So printer is a very very different situation, right? So we take this vision, mission, goals, and then we take it with what they do and what value they bring to the market and kind of mush it together, right? Into a brand that kind of you know serves that internal goal purpose but then also allows to, to, you know, bring in the customers that, you know, they need to serve and they can serve really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't want to work with the non-ideal because then you, you're risking uh, the experience, you know, and we already talked about that, how big of a deal that is, because very quickly nowadays, they can destroy you on social media, on Google, and you don't want that. Right. So we always want to make a promise back to that brand promise. 
doesn't have to be grandiose. It just has to be something they can meet or exceed. That's all. Hmm. You know, and it has to be something that somebody values. Yeah, that 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 I, hopefully your ideal customer, your customer segment values. Like if you can solve the problem that that set of people has, in in a sense, your job is is connecting me with that set of people. Right? Yeah. So I have an example uh, for a brand promise for a farm that we are working on right now. Yeah. So they are a, they are a, a CSA. You know what a CSA? Yep, sure. They, Cooperative share. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Exactly. So they they have. Their crops, and then they, you know, uh, they want members. That's they came to me because they want more members for the CSA. Mm -hmm. So as we are doing through the discovery process, we, I'm talking to them. So let's talk about this ideal customer. Well, the healthy person is really not the ideal customer for us. They say because it's not about the healthy food; it's about the real food. The, the our ideal customers, they just love to cook. They just love the crooked carrot, the whatever, like the dirt, the soil, the yeah. You yeah. know, they always say that our food is beautiful, but it's like dirty, you know, it's like the dirty, beautiful and whatever. I just, you know, and then we're talking about the memberships and I'm like membership. And, you know, they are talking about, you know, these guys just kind of love real food. So I was like, well, how about community? And instead of promising dirty, beautiful food, because it's just kind of weird, right? You know, our promise is starting to shape like this. Um, we promise to build and nourish a community of real food lovers. Right? So we are now no longer just a CSA, right? We are a community. And a community means a little bit more than membership because membership is like, if I pay, I'm a member. If I don't pay, I'm not a member. It's kind of like a subscription type of yeah, deal, right? Yeah. But a community is more of a lifestyle, you know? So that allows us to, you know, this is where we are, but it will allow us to build a brand that kind of, you know, is perceived as a community. Like, I want to belong here. I don't, don't want to just be a member. I want to belong. I want to, I want this lifestyle. And I think what's really interesting is that the owners don't want to build a community. But if we set it up like this, the community will build the community and they will share the recipes and they will share the real food stuff. And look what I've done with the crooked carrot type deal. And, and if you just create the avenues for it, and by the way, the owner's vision and mission is to kind of be out. They don't want to be the family that, you know, like ties all this together. They just want to grow the food. But now the community can kind of live outside of them and they don't have to be the value. You know, the value is the community. So it's very interesting how these things can pivot and how you can find nuggets to position brands uniquely, even though there's 100 million CSAs out. There. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting challenge. Uh, maybe use them as, a, as an example, but switch gears a little bit. You've got a background in visual design, if I recall correctly, yes? I'm a graphic designer by training. Graphic yeah. designer. The, the visual aspects of... Uh, of a really effective brand, tremendously important, tremendously difficult, seems to me these days. Yes, there are, there's a method to the madness, right? So, you know, I, I, um, again, minimalism, clean, simple, right? Consistency. 
The mm -hmm. truck has to look like the email, has to look like the social media, has to look like whatever, both visually and message-wise. Yep. Because a lot of companies aren't Nikes who have millions of dollars to throw at advertising, right? right. The, the benefit of the big brands is that they can come out of the tap constantly. You can't. But if you had made, uh, you know, dumb wave by intriguing someone's interest by an interesting marketing material. Mm -hmm. If they go to your website and has the same message and image, then they've seen it twice. Then they are interested. They dig more, go to your social media. They read your reviews and everybody's regurgitating the values that you already said you had. Yeah. Now I've seen it once, twice, three times. So that repetition of seeing the same thing is that what allows me to get sticky. It yeah. gets, it's sticky in people's heads. So big brands solve it by throwing a lot of money at marketing and having the frequency at which time you encounter their brand. Small brands have it, you know, have the ability to do the same thing by building consistency inside everything, right? So, you know, that validation that now, nowadays educated customers do mm -hmm. will allow them to remember the brand. And then, you know, if you can throw some money at brand awareness and they kind of see here and there, you have much more likelihood to uh, get to the engagement even even easier. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. So the visual side of it is what can I say with less? The same thing as words, right? How much can I say with less? You know, so logos that look like a complicated illustration are much harder to retain than just look at the Nike swoosh. Again, we can learn so much from national brands. Simple color palette. It's always the same red for Coca-Cola. You're not going to see a blue Coca-Cola bottle, right? It's that impeccable consistency that allows uh, brands to be retained, right? So retention is where we can really take this visual side of the brand to a science. And, you know, what is really good for me is that I can now move away from subjective to objective, right? So when I build a brand and we're talking about a form, right? And I'm utilizing greens and browns for various reasons because that allows somebody to put them in the category. But why isn't it pink and purple? Because it's going to be harder for me to make that leap, you know, from pink and purple, purple to form, right? So it's, there's sometimes, you know, like it, we have to be, um, of course, you want to make it beautiful, right? But the more um, categories we have to uh, put on it in terms of consistency, minimalism, clarity, you know, like how quickly can I retain that this is food related or vegetable related or farm related or whatever have you, right? All those are tools in my pockets to make it faster for someone to realize what the heck am I and how I show up as value in their eyes, right? Rob, that a step further though, um, and let's take your comment about the million CSAs, which, which I'm sure there are. Um, I'll bet if you lined up the visual brand, the visual elements of brands from those million CSAs, they'd look remarkably the same. And there's a limit to how many I'm going to remember? It, it all depends. 
It all depends because it all depends. So you're not seeing uh, logos flying at you on a white background, you know, usually see them in context. So to me, the very least you're going to see an identity with a picture and some words, you know, and I think right there you can make a difference, you know, because if I, if I take a hundred CSAs and look at just their top section of the website, I guarantee you probably 50% of them, you can't even tell that they're a CSA. The CSA, yeah. Well, I would- I would, You can't I'm, see the logo because, you don't, you know, it's like, looks like a blob of colors and, yeah. it, you know, the type is too small or, or it says Nike yeah. and it doesn't say that it's farm, you know? So it's like, you know, you have yeah. no idea what you're looking at. Well, I'd, take, I'd, I'd actually take that and, and, and put it on a different axis in, and I'm picking on CSAs in particular, but I think there's some applicability to- other realms of business. The brand of a CSA in fill in the blanks, Illinois, doesn't matter to me at all. Why? I'm in Washington. I'm never going to subscribe to a CSA from Illinois. And many small businesses forget to say where the heck they are when there's inherent geographic locality to what they do. Real estate agents, I love picking on them, right? Hi, I blah, 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 blah. Like, tell me where you are or I don't really care. Why? Because I'm not going to shop for a house where I don't live. Yes, but hopefully you're, you know, they are smart enough not to uh, advertise in outside of their geo. You, 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 don't, you don't control where information goes on the net. No, I, I do know that. But, I, you know, if in order for me to like know about a CSA mm-hmm. in Illinois, I would have to like look up CSAs in Illinois. They're not going to come in front of me. They're not going to spend paid advertising on Facebook for me to find them. You know what I mean? But yeah, again, but that's, not, hear, that's you know, not the only potential channel of exposure. True. One of the first thing that this firm particularly did by our recommendation is fine. They are called Flying Plow Farm, mm-hmm. right, currently. But I made them buy Rising Sun CSA, which is near Rising Sun, Maryland. And that's the, the area they want to saturate. And I live close by to that area, but I didn't hear from them. So again, I, I, I found a, a, an amazing client for me, right? Mm-hmm. Great product and service. Customers love them. Nobody knows about them. Right, right. Love that. Love that challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because, you know, then we can just kind of tweak that foundation and then they can they be ready to go to market. Yeah. And hopefully we're inviting the ideal. You know, again, there's a dilemma. It's not for everybody. And I right. think everybody needs to know that it's not for everybody. It is for the real food lover, right? So we're going to be catering to that message. So if you like the convenience of the grocery store, you're not going to be an ideal customer. Right. You right. Know, if, you, if you care about real food and you're wondering where your grocery food is coming from, because let's say you're a stay-at-home mom and you're cooking and, you know, peeling the carrots and just like, why is this slimy or whatever have you? I don't know. We might be for you, you yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My uh, my wife is in the ideal customer profile for for the for the CSA you're talking about. That's why I have a little background uh, in in CSAs. Um, my experience with smaller businesses, which I I enjoy, is that they they underestimate the challenge and investment required to be effective with branding and marketing these days. Any reaction to that? Yeah, that's why we had to like boil down 
to, you know, our services to the smaller guys for something very effective, effective and efficient. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I have a package for smaller businesses for that reason, you yeah. know, it's very, it's very efficient, but I need them to trust me. You know, if you're going to bicker about the shade of green yeah, or the, the shade of purple or the, you know, whether I like that font or not, yeah. I'm not going to present anything that isn't going to engage your audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I got you. In my, my, I always put myself in that, uh, in that position for them. Like, look, you are on the inside. I'm on the outside and I'm going to do everything I can to look at what we're building from your market's perspective. Yes. I want you to like it, but what I want more is for your market to respond to it. Yeah. You know, that's what I want. There. You know, because honestly, I'm telling you right now, if, you know, I, you know, I, out of the three logos that I presented to you, any of them would work because I'm not going to present anything that's not going to work. Right. I presented three because I wanted you to be able to kind of give me your two cents. And, you know, I also want you to know that I, I care about you liking it. Yeah. But, but that's yeah. not the point. And you know what? If it's going to be, I'm happy to go back three, four, five times and create 10 more logo variations for you or options for you. Right. Well, but then we are, You're good you know. For, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's why I sell, I actually send out, sell them bundled hours. And then it's very clear, you know, it's a minimum set of hours and here are objectives. And I, and I tell them there were many, many times I hit it. And there are many times we went a little bit over. Mm. And there are many times, there's few times I'm even a lot over but the customer knew that it is because they just can't make up their mind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've run a creative agency in the past, and it, it is one of the it is one of the tensions in that that job of expertise in what seems like a squishy and subjective field. You're like you kind of going like at a point you got to say, you know what, you hired me because you don't know how to do this. Yeah. So at a certain point, you want to go. Just shut up and do what I tell you, <laughs> please. And, and Matt, the secret sauce to me is yeah. to be subjective. Yeah. I mean, objective, not subjective. Objective, so yeah. Relax. Yeah. You're subjective. And the more you're objective, then, you know, and again, my objectiveness comes from, will the market respond to this? Mm. Shade of green or this shade of green? Yeah. Who don't care less? Yeah. Can we move on? Pick a green. <laughs> you know, it's not going to matter to the market. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Things like consistency, which you've mentioned are, are, are likely to matter a, a whole bunch more. Um, let's map it back since, since I stuck it on the title of the podcast, uh, what kind of advice do you find yourself giving clients about the, the email component of, of their marketing communications and so on? Okay. Thank you for asking the question. And I think number one is look at email holistically and where it leads, right? So, you know, I am assuming that, you know, the, the trend is always to keep it short and sweet, value-based, right? To me, it's always about elevating the value. Have a call to action. Once they click, make sure there's consistency, you know? And make sure that you consider the bigger part of the campaign. So a campaign has a lot of components. And sometimes email is just part of it. Sometimes it's just an email campaign, but it can't really just be an email campaign if there's a brand attached to it and your website, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. 
and your reviews are going to be checked and whatever. So just look at all the components, you know, like if you have a Facebook link, make sure your Facebook link looks like the website and the email and the whatever. So just kind of bring that consistency in. So because it's an opportunity for you to be retained, right? Mm, yeah. Remember, yeah. yeah, right? So it's not just an opportunity to make, a, you know, a, the, that call to action be something very actionable, like download or sign up or whatever. But it's also because you're going to be validated before somebody makes a decision to do that. I feel like that's an opportunity for you to be retained because they're going to dig around a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's, so just look at it from the, from, from a holistic point of view. You know, I think part of the problem is when we are silo. And I meet these business owners all the time. Like my SEO guy is here. My web guy is here. Yeah. My graphic designer is here. Yeah. I have an intern who helps me with social media posts and nobody talks to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why we're all over the place and it's it's a disaster, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I send the emails by myself. It's like, no. <laughs> you know, we got to kind of look at, look at it in a holistic um, approach. Like how does everything look? Because you got to remember prospects nowadays, they are going to dig before they engage. And what is the number one driver for engagement? It's trust. So if your brand is inconsistent, it's going to be much harder for me to trust it. In fact, I won't, you know. Uh, I'm just going to go with somebody who may have a subpar product to yours or service. Yeah. But they are consistent and I and they feel like I could trust them better. You know what I mean? And you're mad that they're, you're losing uh, customers to the competition, but that's why. Because you're not looking trustworthy. You're not feeling like I could trust you from that outside perspective that, you know, I could kind of draw before walking in your door, you know? Once I walk in your door, I might have a great experience and give you five-star reviews, but I guarantee you it would have been a lot easier to get me if you had looked the way of what I'm experiencing, yeah. you know? Yeah, bar's, bar's pretty high these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's the three? I'm thinking there's more than one answer, but in, in brand three, what's the three? It's, it's brand marketing and experience okay. okay but um in internally we are a faith-based organization so it's the father son holy spirit aspect which is kind of just in there for us nice uh subconsciously so try triune brand as they say well yeah exactly you know huh. it, it just reminds us who owns the the business really and we're just stewards of it so nicely put where uh where do you see yourself taking this in the next couple of years so, um, I, I really, um, think one of the things that I'm underutilizing in my brand is the education piece, the education about the right way to market, teaching about the right way to market. So, you know, not only do I, um, I, I feel like our process is very educational for customers because they really have a new mindset about marketing once they walk in, walk out, you know. They walk in like, oh, I need marketing. And they have website, email. Like, oh, these are the just tactical stuff that's in their mind. And then they walk through our process and they understand this whole holistic approach and this plan approach that we have, uh, you know, more to the strategic side of marketing that's really, really important in order to make those tactics effectively work, right? Mm -hmm. It's one thing. 
But in order for me to do that, in order for me to grow, I need a team mm-hmm. who is aligned uh, with that. So our mission and vision is to transform 1 million businesses from noise to clarity. And if that's attainable, I want to change it to 1 billion. And the way I'm doing that, Matthew, is not myself, but I actually have a really um, uh, um, massive desire to teach young designers or marketing students about this. They don't, they don't get this in school. And I feel like the more, so, so I have a huge uh, heart for interns. You know, if anybody wants to intern at us, you know, just come in. We are on unpaid internship, but it's extremely knowledgeable. You're going to walk away with a lot of knowledge. And in fact, a lot of our interns don't walk away, but they get to work with us afterwards. Uh, I'm not going to change 1 billion businesses from noise to clarity, but an army will who does it the right way. And I think part of the problem is the marketing companies out there that are selling these digital marketing packages, which includes three posts on LinkedIn and five, whatever, and six emails a, a quarter and whatever, whatever, whatever. But they are not having this approach uh, of really taking the brand into consideration and the experience in, into con- consideration. And essentially, they are not, you know, they're they're wasting a lot of time and money, you know, because they're not, you know, they promise you leads and that you will get. Guaranteed, you're going to get tons of leads. 95% will be crap. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what you don't want. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what you don't want. Well, that's a, I, I love, I love the mission. I, I like that's, that's a swing for the fences on um, mission, which is <laughs> awesome that everybody does. Yeah, but it will take an army and the more, the more people do it the right way, the better, because then it's better for the entire small business landscape of the nation, mm, yeah. you know, because they're going to waste less. They're going to get more traction. They're going to be able to position themselves uniquely um, and, and really, re, you know, really uh, work to serve an ideal customer base that's going to be a pleasure to work with. Pleasure, to you work know. With. So yeah, that's a, that's a good goal right there. So, yeah. Orshi, if someone if someone's intrigued by this and they're listening, where do they go? Hunt your um, down. So, Brand Three's website is brand3.net, and there's a schedule a call button on there that goes directly to my calendar, so anybody can talk to me right there. Perfect. Well, Orshi Herban, it's been a, it's been fun and a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for making the time. Same here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. We're out. All right. Bye.